And welcome to Disco Data. Hey everybody, and welcome to another wonderful Sunday. Weather was great here in New York. I hope you enjoyed it. Whether you wherever you are, whether you're working this August or whether you're on vacation, as many people are. Whether wherever, wherever, whether, whether, whether you weather. are. Whether you are. You are the weather. Wherever you are, whether you are. Uh, so, um, do you have any updates you want I to do. tell people about Silicon again? Yeah, so okay. here's a reminder. Uh, if you're in the San Jose area, we are helping get the word out for Adam Savage and team, friend of Adafruit. We don't get compensated in any way. So go to Silicon SJ. You, yes, you can join the Savage Makerverse. Um, there's workshops and more. We're doing a bunch of posts across our social media platforms. Do check it out and uh, help continue on the tradition of bringing makers together in workshops with tools, with people in the community. It is up to you. Go there. We have a code, Adafruit. You get a discount. And again, we get nothing for this. We're just trying to help out. We always like to be transparent and do disclosures. Speaking of, I have nothing to do with Hackaday. I found a decide, but we are also helping them get the word out for the call for proposals for Supercon 6. Uh, we had Magenta Strongheart stop by, our show and tell, and uh, I'm happy to see Hackaday continuing on the tradition of the thing I started, which is bringing people together, showing and sharing things to Supercon is happening. Do your proposal submission by August 18th. That's the end of this week. Um, also, stuff that's going on this Friday coming up is CircuitPython Day. So watch everything on our website and, we have and more. We got a lot going on. We have a thing we're trying to do that will be really cool if it happens, so tune in on Friday. Yeah, we'll see. There's a lot of stuff going we'll on. We're working on stuff. So with that being said, Lady Ada, what is on your desk this week? Okay, we got a couple things going on on my desk this week. Um, first off, um, you know, I'm trying to get back to some, some projects that were uh, just delayed due to part shortages, etc. And one of those things is um, getting back to my camera board. I just started designing this uh, many months ago. Um, so why don't we go to the overhead and I can show it off. Uh, so a lot has actually changed since I designed it. When I originally designed it, it used um, an ESP32 S2 um, module, but since then the S3 has come out and the S3 actually has more capabilities. Um, it has a built-in like AI module and dual core, so I, I might actually just swap out this module because it's pin compatible uh, between the S2 and the S3. Uh, you get one more GPIO pin. Uh, this is the camera module. You got SD card, little speaker. Um, I make it beep when you press the shutter button. There's an on-off switch. Uh, Stemma QT and Stemma ports. You know, and then there's probably going to be a plate here um, to to protect the camera module a little bit. And then of course the screen. Of course, you're, what you're seeing is a screen of a camera through a screen through a camera. So it doesn't look that great, but believe me, it's um, it's very it's pretty bright and um and clear and this is very fast and uh as i'm doing this you know a lot of it's like power supplies to be honest like these camera modules require like six power supplies um and and fast clocking and one of the things um that uh i wanted to do is we did have camera support in um circuit python but we i wanted to also make sure it works in arduino especially with this like new esp32 s3 module um, that Expressive has AI support. And so I wanted to get started with like using the ESP32 camera. Like I, I basically verified it worked before, but now I really wanted to like really play with it. And one of the things I'm doing is, you know, I have a preview, maybe 240 by 240 RGB. And then like when you press the shutter, 
it would take an image as a JPEG and save it to the SD card. Like it'll be the little snapshot camera. Um, so uh, I was, you know, playing around with writing the code for this in Arduino because that's what you know. It's, it's fine. It's the easiest way to interface with like the display and all the sensors and stuff. Um, but for people who've like done big projects for the ESP32, um, you know, once you have like Wi-Fi plus a couple modules, like you you start like you know these modules have four megabytes of flash, and you can really start compiling a megabyte worth of binary code to upload um, to the chip. And um, one of the things that a few weeks ago um, Brent, our developer who works on Whippersnapper mentioned to me, oh, you know, I've moved the CI and my internal development of Whippersnapper from using Arduino ID and CLI to using Platform.io because it's much, much faster to compile. The trade-off of like being much faster to compile is there's a lot of things that Platform.io does to like optimize that, um, which unfortunately can can drive some people a little batty. Like it, it does a lot of grepping of header files and to try to guess what you're using and it doesn't necessarily understand macros. Um, which again can can be confusing to people. It doesn't use proper. It doesn't use a proper C parser. It kind of has its own thing. Did you yeah, do this on a two layer design. This is a two layer design, and it's fine. I mean, it's a little bit warm, but um, other than that, there's there's no real reason why you would. Oh. Uh, okay. Good. I'll take yeah. care. Sorry, where, where everyone wants to hang out. Um, okay, so uh, so I wanted to try out Platform.io. We also were chatting with Platform.io and trying to brainstorm with them with some ideas to um, get them, uh, you know, more funding and support. And so I was like, oh, you know, I haven't used Platform.io in years, so I thought I would check it out. So I have it installed on my computer. And I thought it took me a couple hours to kind of get the hang of it. But, you know, one thing is, like, for big projects, now, again, the, the compilation method makes it, it can be a little confusing because... Um, again, it, try, it, it does a lot of little shortcuts, but if you are an advanced user, there's, there's some really nice things that it does um, that I thought was, was pretty cool. So let's go to the computer and I'll just show it off real fast. So um, you know, traditionally, I write my code in XEMAX. Why? I don't know. There's like something wrong with me um, or something right with me. Um, but this is uh, Platform.io, and so you install it with VS Code. Which is a fine editor. I just I just don't use it that much. Um, I just like I'm not a huge fan of IDEs. Uh, I find them I find that there's a lot going on. I really just want to like edit code. And um, again, I know that Emacs commands on top of my head. Um, but so you set up a INI file, and this is a little bit different than Arduino. Like you have the lib dependencies, and uh, for some libraries, you know the the dependencies of the libraries it will auto install. Like it does figure out because you know all of Arduino libraries now have a dependency line, which is like really great because um, it means that when you install, for example, an OLED library, we will automatically install the graphics library that you need and the I2C interface, you know, like all the stuff that it depends on. Um, one thing that's interesting is you do versioning. So you tell it what version you want. This is kind of nice because we do, we do versions all the time, updates of Arduino. So it's a bit of a trade-off. On one hand, you don't have to... You know, if you know this, this this collection of libraries all works, you're you're good to go. The bad news is that um, don't forget that libraries do get updated, and sometimes they get updated with fixes. So it's a good idea to like make sure that you have the latest libraries. Um, you know, it's you can define per board your platform and setup. One thing I thought was neat that is like this is something I've actually asked Arduino to do. 
many years ago, and, and I get that they're probably never going to do it, but there is no way to add defines, like compile-level defines, and it, it's very, um, especially when you're dealing with low-memory devices, like pound defines can be a really good way of chunking out code, whether you include this or that, you know, to, to minimize um, flash and RAM usage. And uh, for example, in um, Bus.io, our I2C interface library, I have a pound define that's in the library that I use all the time, where if I set debug serial to serial, um, as shown here, it'll print out all the I2C transactions and whether they succeeded. Really handy because you're like, you know, a lot of libraries, it's like you 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 don't necessarily know your I2C failed or it starts it started failing, it does, it doesn't, it's a clock stretching, whatever. So having having this debug is handy. And so instead of going and editing that in the library header file, I just define it in the platform i9 and I rebuild and it like does the right thing and it's like magical, which is cool. Um, and then, you know, over here is the uh, command collection. And I have a couple of like, I'm kind of learning how to add keystroke like functions. Like, you know, if I press um, F5, that builds everything over and you can see like it does a dependency graph and it like has everything installed and it compiles and again it compiles very very quickly and I did a clean so of course it's going to be recompiling but what's nice is that it it's for especially if you're making small changes and recompiling it's almost instant and then um, you can upload and monitor and it has a built-in terminal and it knows about ESP tool um, for Spressif especially like this is really excellent I will say you know, Espressif gives money to Platform.io and they're like a partnership and, you know, it's, um, oh, thing, one thing is, is it's, uh, you do have to make sure you have the right port and my port changed. So hold on, I have to re, rerun it. Um, for Espressif, you know, ESP32 especially, it works well. Oh, here's actually something that is actually kind of funny. Um, I use uh, Dropbox, and because Dropbox, um, you know, for my for my build directories, um, files appear and disappear. Like I, I think this is related. I have issues sometimes where if a compiler is a little bit too fast, it'll create or delete a file, and Dropbox like takes a hundred milliseconds extra to. Like, hey, let me save that. Hey, hey let me I'm trying to do something here. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's I do you know one thing when I when I do work on big projects. Um, I really do like having Dropbox as like my synchronizer and backup thing, but I do turn it off for the few hours while I'm like compiling so that Dropbox doesn't. Yeah. But, um, it uh, it does updating, you know, like as long as Dropbox is off, it writes, it uploads, so I can do like an iteration cycle in a minute. Now it's not as fast as CircuitPython, of course, but again, there's some code that I have to write that is using stuff that isn't supported in CircuitPython yet, like this AI. Uh, Toolchain, and then um, you know you can go up and you can uh, see the output of the terminal, and there's some configurations you can also do with this. So um, I'm you know liking it. I, I it's not for beginners. Uh, there definitely is a little bit of like you have to learn what it is. Also, I'm using a custom board. I'm not using a board that's in the Arduino IDE definition yet. So like I kind of had to learn how to make that and. Um, it doesn't know about your Arduino sketch folder, so like their libraries have to live in this folder. It's like a little, it's a little bit different. It's really meant for you are working on one big project, not what I usually do, which is I have like six different small things going on. But um, for Espressif, 
I'd recommend it. Don't know if I would recommend it for other platforms because again, this one is officially supported and the other ones are not. And so they can cause, you know, like people who try to use Adafruit board packages in platform IO that are not officially supported by the chip maker, it's, it's not a good time because there's all these like weird things that platform IO does and Arduino IDE does and like they may not be compatible. So, um, but express if uh, they worked really hard to, to make it a good experience. So I recommend it. Okay. What's next? Okay. Uh, so let me close this off. Um, next up, I'll just show some samples and stuff that I'm working on overhead, and then we'll go into the great search. Yeah, I did want you to show the forums. Oh, right, right, right. At some point. So right. a little bit of a, a Adafruit note. Bing bong, um, update. We updated our forums, so I'm going to go to that now. Yes. Um, so we'll have, uh, excuse the sawdust, as they say. So as of right now, um, we wanted to have a bunch of updates. A lot of things are behind the scenes, but it's faster. There's more features. There's things that make it better for the moderators and more. And um, you'll just notice that it obviously has a, an upgraded uh, PHPB backend. Yeah. So, um, so you, emojis. Yeah. The, <laughs> this is actually a big deal, by the way, because some people would post an emoji and it would like crash their... Yes. Not the, crash the forums, but like they would not be able to post it. It'd be like, why so, can't I post? So, yeah. We, we understand the modern language involves emojis. So emojis can be used in the subject of a post and also in the post. And uh, we'll so have more about this uh, in some tutorial videos as we uh, make sure everything's set. But we've been working on this for a couple of years. It's that big of a deal. Um, so, anyways... That's what we're working on. Okay. Well, thanks everybody for your patience. It was it was done yesterday, but um, I'm when we're there's you know if you have bug reports, of course send them in, um, or post them even better. Uh, but we're of course uh, always trying to improve and update our software. Yeah. All the time. Okay. So let's go to. Uh, the yeah, overhead. let's go to the overhead real fast. I'll just show off some. Cool. I, I, I ranted a bit for about that stuff, so I want to get going. But uh, uh, one. Uh, the board I'm working on this week is the TCA 8418. Um, I designed this like a, two years ago or something. But again, I couldn't get the chips. But now actually I did get a real. Um, this is an interesting um, GPIO expander, but it's also a keypad multiplexer, which is kind of what it's used for um, most of the time. It also has Linux kernel support, so you could actually have a little keyboard. So like we had this design for a little um, like a display with a keypad, and and what's nice is that the you know again this has kernel support, so it like natively works as a keyboard. You don't have to like run a Python script, um, and you can look at key mapping and stuff. So it has you know I think eight column no sorry ten columns eight rows eighty keys total. Um, it has like lock and unlock. Uh, it's I squared T. It's really simple with IRQ. Um, so far, I've got it. I've got some uh, CircuitPython library I'm working on because I again I find it easier to write my libraries in CircuitPython first and port them to Arduino because it's just like so much. I have this fast iteration and like I don't have to deal with you know uh, hard faults or like if I misunderstand you know if I, I can print out things very easily um, so I can get like the basic structure going and the basic understanding of the registers because they. You know, I, I'm learning a lot. Like, I have all the little things that you're like, oh, wait, that's not what I expected. I At least I hit that in CircuitPython instead of Arduino, so it's faster. So I just I hook it up to my um, FT232H, and then, you know, I'm just, uh, I probe it with my Scope Pro. Um, let me turn this off so it's not hot. And then I got a couple of fun samples. Um, so the LTR329. Um, I don't exactly remember why I got the sample, I think. But I did look again. It's the cheapest I2C light 
um, sensor available on DigiKey, which is why I think I picked it up because I was like, I think, I think what I've been doing is I was working on making like a Circuit Playground Express with the RP2040. And as people know about the RP2040, it only has four analog inputs. Um, the SAMD21, which is on the original Circuit Playground Express, and even the NRF52840 on the Circuit Playground Bluefruit both have like 15 analog inputs. And so you can be like, whoa, what analog input for a light sensor? Who cares? But if you um, are dealing with something like RP2040 where the analog ends are uh, rare and hard to get, then something like the LTR329 is tiny. Um, and I squared C, and I think it's like 25 cents uh, for the light sensor. So let's just look at it really fast. So I usually get a strip of 10. Yeah, it's nice and it's nice and tiny. Maybe I can zoom in and I don't know if I have a light on here. This one. Yeah, you can see this, uh, Yeah, there's a little tiny little sensor. And then, um, let's see if I can peel off one and I'll, I'll show it real fast. So, whoop, and, there, and then it's gone for good. Okay, so this is, this is it. So you can see it's got four little pads. So it's really quite simple. You know, power ground, um, I squared C, uh, clock and data. And I'm just going to pop it into one of my cute pink bags. This, these anti-static bags are kind of what I use to hold my parts and proto PCBs, and then what I because these these silver bags are they're great, but they're they're kind of enormous. Um, and then what I do is I uh, I cut the label, so I have the CID, the SKU number, and then I label the bag. So. Later on, once I approve the sample, or if I'm like, what was this again? Um, I have all the details. Like, if I look at this, I can tell when it was ordered. Uh, and then I've got the, the official part number and then um, when this uh, arrived and any revision code. So that makes it just easy for me to organize. I also got a um, PCF8575. This is a 16-channel version of that really simple 8-bit. Uh, PCF I2C GPIO expander that we put in the shop uh, two or three weeks ago. Um, I was like, oh, you know, there's a 16. Somebody was like, oh, there's a 16-bit version, and I was like, I didn't realize that. I just, I picked up 10. They're like, a, you know, a dollar a piece. And um, you know, again, I'm always looking for alternatives to the MCP 23017, which is which has just been a tragedy to get. Okay, so that's my that's my samples of the week. So let's go do some Descalade data. I mean, so, I mean, yeah, we're doing that we, right we now. We are inside Hi. of Desk of Lady <laughs> I mean, the great search inside. The great of search. Desk of Lady Okay, do it. The Great Search, brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit. Thanks, DigiKey. Lady Ada uses her power of engineering every single week to find the things you need to find. On digikey.com. What is this week's great search, Lady Ada? Okay, so this week's great search is related to the board I just popped up on the screen. Uh, this is a board that I designed a few weeks ago. It's the uh, PCA um, or TCA 9584A. This is a, a STEMIQT version, the plug-and-play version 
a very popular eight channel multiplexer board that we have. So you have I squared C chips, as you know, they have addresses. The addresses can't conflict. If they do conflict, then either change the address or you can use a multiplexer. The multiplexer, it's like you have to like tell it, you know, it's over I squared C, and so you send like one special command to the address, you tell it which to connect to, and then it'll reroute the signals and it you know does it transparently and it does work pretty well. I think there's a couple of weirdo chips that don't like multiplexers, but for the most part, um, they're a great way of just like, hey, I need like that light sensor, the LTR 30, you know, 329. You're like, well, this is a really cheap light sensor, um, but I need to have eight of them in a grid. You would use something like this. So um, I was designing this, but as I was doing this, I thought it would be um, a good idea to not just have an eight channel version, but a four channel version. And so, because uh, some people are like, well, I don't need something that big. I want a little smaller board. But again, I don't need, um, or maybe I want like all the pads broken out, but I don't need um, eight channels. Four is plenty. And I agree, eight is a lot. Like most people don't need eight channels. So let's go to the computer and see how I did this. Because it was a little bit weird to find. Um, and I'll show you why. So this is the uh, TCA9548. And so what I usually do, you know, people know that when I'm looking for, oh, this is, by the way, that light sensor, the LTR 329, is, you know, I'll type it in, and then I'm like, cool, let's find the, the chip, it's, well, let's find the chip itself, and there's eval boards, and there's eval boards, but then I want this multiplexer decoder, and I'm like, yeah, like, this chip, this is the chip I'm buying, and set of stock. I want, like, the four, one by four one, so I want, like, an active bus switch, and I want it to be surface mount, and then I'll just select when it comes up with the search thing. I'll select one, two, four by one. So you know, I did that, and when I looked, like there were a couple options, but um, I kind of had this feeling of like maybe there was something else. Also, they were a little confusing. Like some of these, they weren't like I squared. Well, some of them were I squared C. This one was. Um, but I think like this first one maybe wasn't, I'm trying to remember what it was. Some of them were like, they weren't quite I squared C compatible. Um, yeah, like this was like a different kind of switch. And I was like, well, I don't know if this is, yeah, this is a, a bus switch and that's cool. But I wanted like an I squared C multiplexer switch in particular. And, um, oh, sorry, go back. So I was like a little bit confused because I was like, really, this is all there is? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And then I realized that there's actually, this chip is such a weirdo chip. It actually get categorized in a couple different locations. And so I was like, oh, you know, I should show people that, yes, you can always search by using the DigiKey Find similar, but there's also a lot of reason to go to the place where you, the chip fab, the, the maker of the chip, and use their search because oftentimes they'll find, um, they'll have all the parts and you can have a slightly better search for their products. The only thing is, of course, you won't find like competing products. So you have to kind of do this for every company that might make something similar. And then it's like, well, how do you know what companies might make something similar? And the answer is like, you don't really, maybe you just like do the best you can. Like think of, you know, is this something that TI would make? Is this something that analog devices would make? Is this something that... Maxim or like, you know, Renaissance would make. So in this case, the PCA, so the TCA 9548, uh, and you can see here that this is the breakout board we make. It's actually, um, this one's made by TI. 
So you actually go to TI's site, and then, you know, they have the, their, look, DigiKey has like, a, you know, five bazillion literally uh, different um, chips and companies, and it's hard to sometimes categorize them exactly, whereas like TI has a lot of incentive to categorize all their products very well because this is their job. Like their job is to sell their products, they have to make it easy. So for them, they have a whole category called I2C multiplexers and switches. And then what's nice is that you can um, view all products. I will say, because my monitor isn't that big, that this works best in like 1080p and this is 720. So you'll see a lot, you know, it's a little easier to navigate these massive tables. Um, okay, so that said, you can see here that they have a lot of options. And of course, they'll have the automotive and the catalog type. They'll give you the approximate price, you know, which is very optimistic, but let's see what we can do. So number of channels, and you can see they have a couple options here for, let's see, do they have number of channels? I think, oh, it's not added to the search, so we have to click on it. And now it's added. So number of channels, so basically how many I squared C to, you know, one to X, and we use the standard, the TCA 9548A, which has um, eight channels, but we want something with four. So we can go down to here and say we want it to be no less than four, no greater than four. And this will give us uh, six options. Um, so then the other thing is you can look at the package group. Um, you know, I do like QFNs the most. QFN, I mean, SOICs I find to be a little bit too big, but if you're a beginner, of course, they're hand solderable. TSOPs I find annoying. Um, they're hard to rework and they're hard to pick in place. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of TSOPs. Um, I like QFNs the most. Uh, I find them fairly easy to rework. Uh, you can, you know, there's no pins to bend and they're also very small, but you know, everyone has their own favorites. So you can search by package group. There's another thing you can search by supply voltage. And one thing I noticed as I looked at this is actually there's two, there's six, uh, there's six chips, but there's actually three chips, two variants of each. So there's the TCA9544 and the PCA9544. And the difference is, um, one, the number of packages, uh, sorry, the number of, um, yeah, packages available. So the, the, I don't want to click this because it'll pop open. The TCA9544 has only TSOP, whereas the PCA9544 has TSOP, VSOP, QFN. And that's because the voltage is a little bit high as supply voltage. So. You know, historically we used um, PCA, sorry, we used TCA, which goes down to 1.8 volt logic. But one thing you have to decide is, especially with a chip shortage, is like maybe you're okay with something that has slightly less voltage restriction. So I was like, you know what? I only need it to be um, 2.3 volts minimum. I don't really need the 1. You know, 1.65. I'd rather have a smaller package. Um, and then there's three options. And so then you can look at the difference. One is addresses, which is how many like address pins you can set. Um, and I do like having um, you know some address pins. And then there's the question of uh, whether you have reset or interrupt or reset and interrupt. And you kind of trade off. If you want reset and interrupt, you, you lose the addresses. I liked having the addresses, so then um, the question is which, which one I wanted, the, the reset or the interrupt pin. The interrupt pin was interesting. Um, you don't go into the details, but you can look at the data sheet. Basically, for each of the four channels, you can have an interrupt line and then we'll or them for you or you know whatever to, to get you 
um, one interrupt output, which I was sort of like, I was not as interested in because again, this is going to be with like stomach UT ports. So I kind of ended up deciding, okay, I want the reset pin with the address assist of the 9546A. Uh, remember, there's the TCA and the PCA version, depending on, you know, whether you wanted the 2.3 or 1.65 voltage. And then I just went back here and I typed in the, the, that half, half Z. And um, there's some in decoders here, but what's interesting, it's kind of interesting, there's kind of like a, a mix and match. Like they appeared here, um, but they also appeared under interface specialized. And uh, this is where the actual stock was. So there's actually a couple pieces in stock. Another thing is NXP and, and TI both make the same almost exact part number. I don't know who made it first. So, you know, if it's NXP and TI, you know, made a version or the other way around, I, I don't know. Um, but they seem to use the same uh, uh, part numbers. And they do have in stock the, well, let's go to the active ones just to make sure that we're only looking at what's available. They have uh, the TSAP version, the SOIC version, and of course my favorite is the um, QFN. It looks like TI has a version in QFN, and they're not in stock right now, but NXP also does. There's also a uh, VQFN. I'm not not as much in love with a VQFN, but I do like this one. So I'm into this, um, this part. So this is the part I'm going to get samples of. Again, it's nice and small, but easy to rework. I, I love, you know, if it's, as long as it's 0.5 millimeter pitch, I'm really into um, QFN. And then as a side note, just because uh, I'll we'll wrap this up, but this category interface specialized is super freaky weird and cool. Um, like there's all the weird stuff that doesn't really fit anywhere else. And um, I just started like clicking around in some of these and they're all like really kind of cool. There's just like weird like um, display port to VGA converters from analog devices and like multiplexer things and like, like what is this TDP something something. This is like a, a eight gigahertz linear redriver for display port. Like it's just like the weirdest stuff. So I do recommend checking out um, this zone. I sorted by what was available and I just I just found some really um, funky weird chips. Uh, a lot of them are in the marketplace. Like some stuff got released to the marketplace. There's some, you know, Bunny had a post about how he thinks there's some cancellation of, of components. But um, yeah, do check this out. It's just it's just weird. It's just weird chips. And I, I kind of love weird chips. Anyways, uh, where was I? Right, the PCA9546. This is my pick for this week's The Great Search. That's The Great Search. Okay, and that is Discolidiated this week. Thank you so much, everybody. We have a bunch going on during the week. Make sure to tune in to all of our social media platforms. And all, thank you so much for joining us and spending some Sunday time with us. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.